Lord laid this on my heart earlier this week and um, praise the Lord. I feel like this is just very simple this morning, but uh, I have three points I'd like to make and I felt like that's exactly what was going to happen this morning. In fact, my second point was the first thing God kind of laid on my heart. But as we got closer and closer to uh, the service this morning, I, I don't want to rush through three points and make them weekly so uh, that we can get through it all. If we can have so we might just have three, three services and uh, a series of three messages and just try to make them as strong as possible. Amen. Acts, the second chapter. Thank you again for your prayers. And I'm praying for you. God knows... Uh, We are fighting battles. Amen. Father, thank you for your presence this morning again. And Lord, I believe somebody has been helped and strengthened in this service already. And I don't believe you're done yet. I believe you, Lord, you see the needs that are beneath the surface. You see those, Lord, that really are, Lord, hungry for for more, God, and I pray that you would feed us and fill us with your truth and with your righteousness. God, I'm asking you to help me this morning to, to teach, to preach your word, God, and help me to please just stay out of your way, and God, to have a heart of a servant, and each one of us to have ears, Lord, to hear, to have the ability to understand, to perceive what you're trying to say to us each individually, God, and that we could take it from this place and be better. Lord, than when we came, God, bless your people. Now we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Acts 2, verse 1, very important time in the word of God in the church. It says in verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Somebody say together. And suddenly there came a sound of from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God bless you. You can be seated. This day, the day of Pentecost, was an Old Testament feast day dealing with the harvest, the first fruits. But as we're going to talk about a little bit this morning, all those things in the Old Testament were just natural pictures of what God had in store for the supernatural or for the spiritual in the New Testament. Just like that Passover feast the Bible talks about, where the Passover lamb was slain. Anybody remember that story? As the children of Israel needed deliverance to come out of Egypt land as slaves, and God heard that, he said, I want you to take a lamb, and I want you to... uh, Take the blood from that lamb and apply it to the doorpost, the lintels of your household, and that death angel will pass over you. You're going to be delivered from death and delivered ultimately from slavery. The day of Pentecost was fulfilled. It fully came there in the New Testament when Jesus became the Passover lamb. When Jesus took that place, spiritually being able to take our sins, to die with them, and the blood could be applied to our lives, to our hearts, and no longer are we susceptible to spiritual death. 
which is separation from God. Aren't you excited about that? And all these Old Testament feasts and sacrifices and laws, they all pointed to Jesus. They all pointed to a New Testament fulfillment in Colossians. It talks about these things being shadows of things to come. Talks about them being types and that no man should judge you anymore according to these Old Testament commands because they were nailed to the cross and fulfilled in Jesus. And we'll read that some other time maybe to you, but it's in the book of Colossians if you want to just get a start looking for it. But, you know, here in Acts, the second chapter, the Bible says the day of Pentecost was fully come. It was a time where now that feast day was going to be fulfilled in the spiritual now. And that God was going to do a work in the New Testament church. This is what the prophets talked about. Even later in this chapter, Peter says, hey guys, you think you're confused? Let me take you back to your own scripture in the book of Joel. This is that which the prophet Joel spoke about. That in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I don't think Peter even really knew what he was saying that day. Because he wasn't just talking about everybody. But he was talking to those Jewish believers and saying, you know what? It's not just going to be for the Jews. It's going to start in Jerusalem. It's going to go out to Judea and in the uttermost parts of the earth eventually. Everybody from every nationality, creed, God is going to pour out his spirit on whosoever will. This was a time not only that the prophets talked about. Isaiah talked about it, about with stammering lips and an unknown tongue. This is the rest wherewith thou cause the weary to be refreshed. He talked about the Spirit of God coming. They pointed to this day. Even Jesus, in his last moments before he ascended into heaven, if you back up there in Acts, the first chapter, he starts saying, go and wait. This is what I told you about. That you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. John talked about it preceding Jesus. Jesus kind of reiterated it there in the first chapter. I know you're going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. This is the promise of the Father that we've been talking about. Let me say it again. I'm just trying to get to a point here. A little bit of background. A little bit of foundation, if you will. In John, the seventh chapter, they're all gathered around for another one of their Old Testament uh, uh, occasions, festivals, if you will. And Jesus stands up and cries out and starts, says, hey, everybody who's thirsty, let him come. And I'll give you rivers of living water that will flow out of your belly. And it says after that. In John, he, he explains what he's talking about. He said, this he spake of the Holy Spirit that was not yet given. So something was going to happen. Even John, when we, we quoted it there in Acts 1 with Jesus said it. But John said, I'm baptizing you with water. But somebody's coming after who's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It was all pointing. And this is where that was fulfilled. All that pointed to this birthday of the New Testament church. The day that now the death of the Passover lamb, the fulfillment that Jesus fulfilled, the Messiah, the Savior died on the cross and was buried as he was prophesied, as he said, three days and three nights in the grave, but didn't stay in the grave. Aren't you glad he didn't? He rises from the dead on the third day and now ascends into heaven. This is, this is an Old Testament salvation. 
We don't have what Abraham had. Abraham looked toward what we have. We, we have something greater than Elijah. And we have something greater than Daniel and David. We have a risen Savior now poured out his spirit to dwell in us. No longer behind the, te- the temple uh, veil. No longer shrouded in darkness, but now alive in his church. Can I tell you the disciples, they didn't have it until this day. Can I tell you, even that thief on the cross was living in a dispensation before the resurrection and before what Jesus spoke of that out that the father would pour out his spirit. But today we have this promise. Today we look at a New Testament. We look back to a a, a risen Savior. We put our confidence in a, a, a Messiah, if you will, that rose from the dead and conquered our sin. The Bible says this day God was able to pour out his spirit on them. And I want to focus in on something that I think is so valuable, so simple. And I really feel like most of us really know this and maybe even might say it's a strength in your in your faith because that's why you're here today. But I'd certainly believe that we can look at it again and just get a little bit stronger. And maybe just maybe if someone else around us has a has a battle, has a struggle with understanding this, maybe it'll help you help them see how important it has always been in the scripture that we have unity. That we come together. I, I know, listen to me, I know you can have an experience with God. You can have a, a prayer life. You need to have a prayer life. You need to have a personal walk with God. But I'll tell you, this Bible tells us that we are a part of a body. That we are a part of a family. That this is not something that we ought to take lightly. He makes it very clear that when his spirit was poured out on that day, they were all together. They had one, they had one purpose. They had one vision, one goal. They were in one accord in one place. And great thing, the devil would like nothing more than to divide and conquer. Acts, the second chapter, if you read down through, such a great message that Peter preaches to them. He preaches about Jesus being the fulfillment of, uh, of all the prophets, that for, they, that what they foretold. And they come to him, and they're pricked in their hearts. They hear Peter talking, and they realize, hey, wait a minute. We, we need a Savior. We need this. And, and, and they're, they're convicted. They're pricked in their hearts. Thank God for somebody that can be sensitive, uh, sensitive enough that the Spirit of God can still prick their hearts. Don't let yourself become too callous that God can't say, hey, I'm talking to you. They say, men and brother, what shall we do? It takes humility for a religious crowd to say something like that. Read it there in Acts, the second chapter, verse 37. He says, what should we do? Peter stands up, says, here, I'll tell you what to do. Repent of your sin. Turn away from sin. Amen. Get tired of that sin and turn away from it. Turn to Jesus. You say, I believe all I want. You say, I have faith, but listen to me. Without, a, without an action that says, I don't want that, I want him. Do you really believe it? Is there really an evidence of your faith to say, I love him so much? The Bible says we... We have the ability to love the world and the things that are in the world. We read it the other day. If you really love Jesus, praise God, you'll turn from a love of the things of this life and turn to him with all your heart. That's just a product of faith. 
that is a, an evidence of faith. That's not a work to try to try to earn salvation. That just proves, hey, I mean business. I really do love him and really do want to want to serve him. I, I, I'm going to tr- turn away from all that and put my confidence and my trust fully in Jesus to give me that new life, that new birth he was talking about. He said, repent of your sins there in verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. Wow. Is that, did did he really preach it? I never heard that before. It's the word of God. You'll see it echoed over and over in Acts the eighth chapter and Acts the 10th chapter and Acts the 19th chapter. Just seems everywhere these disciples go, Hey, I want what they had. I don't want to preach something a denomination came up with and voted on. I want to preach what they preached. And then the Bible goes on and says, and ye shall. It's a promise. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this promise, it says in verse 39, is unto you. But it's not just for you here today. It's for your children, too. When you get home, tell them all about it because they're going to have it. Amen. And it's not just for them and this generation and the next generation, but it's to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He tells them, this promise is yours. This power of the baptism of the Spirit of God is unto you and to as many as the Lord God shall call. Hallelujah. And it goes on. His message, it says many other words he did exhort, telling them how to save themselves to... From this untoward generation. Oh, that can get misunderstood and blown out of context. But thank God we understand if we follow Jesus, we're making the right decision. But Acts 40, verse 42 in chapter 2, talks about those that responded, those that obeyed, those that said, that's what, if that's what I need, that's what I want. I'm going to give my whole heart to that. And it says they continued steadfastly. They continued I I have a mental image of something that when I see things like this of of Lazarus. say, what does Lazarus have to do with any of this? He was dead in a tomb. Already stinking, according to the word. The Bible says we're dead in sins and trespasses. And I'll just go ahead and speak for myself. Me living in my sins just stank. God called me forth. God called us out by the gospel. God says, come forth today. Get out of that grave. Get out of that. I'm going to quicken you. I'm going to make you alive. Lazarus didn't say, thank you, Jesus. Hey, I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go back home in my, 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 uh, my apartment back here. He didn't go back to live in the tomb. He came forth and continually began to go forth to the point where everybody in the community that hated Jesus, they said, we got to do something about this guy too, because he's turning people to Jesus. We have to continue. We have to keep pressing forward. We don't stop there. We keep on moving. Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, they're teaching. Well, I've got it, so that's okay. I know what I believe, and and, and that's it. I've kind of just crossed the line to to do uh, maybe the bare minimum. If I can, I believe, and that's all. Listen to me. They continued steadfastly in the teaching. They, they, They learned. They grew. They became disciples. But it says they also continued not only in the apostles' doctrine, but in fellowship, breaking bread and prayers. That fellowship, that getting together. 
I know I've heard. How many times have, have you heard it? I'm sure probably just as many as me. I don't need a church. I don't need people. That's just man-made garbage that I've got a relationship with God. I'm going to tell you, if you love Jesus, he's going to put you together with some people. It, because I want to, I want to talk a little bit. I want to title this this morning together. There's some things in our walk with God that we need one another. That we truly, I understand the challenge. I understand the challenge. But listen to me. God puts together a body. God puts together people, praise God, for his purpose. 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Oh, I hope you understand what I'm saying to you this morning. 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read a few scriptures here, but I want to look at verse 14. The the whole chapter is just amazing, talking about the body and how we ought not to judge our place in the body as being more important than anybody else or less important than anybody else. And we've gone through that so many times. But let's just read this in verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. That is a tough pill for some people to swallow. I'm the church. No, we're the church. We community. You're a part of the body. But I'll tell you how the body can really move and be effective is when we come together in one accord and glorify him together. How important it is. You know, we talked about the day of Pentecost and the feast of Passover. I was thinking about a Old Testament type a picture of the family of God that I never never quite thought of before quite like this when Jesus when God created life when he created uh, man he created a family didn't he he created not only Adam but when he looked at Adam he said you know I'm walking with him in the cool of day but but it's not good for him to be alone I'm going to make him a help that will be suitable for him. That will be meat for him. I'll make him somebody that, that is something greater than, than, you know, he can name all the animals. But there's, there, there's no help for him there. And what he did was create woman for man. Amen? That natural Old Testament creation account, I believe, points to a very important New Testament spiritual truth. Because he didn't create a clone of Adam. If anybody could, I'm sure the Lord could. I made your DNA. I can, I can uh, 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 copy it. And what, who would be more compatible for Adam than another Adam? I'll give you help. I'll give you a whole herd of Adams. <laughs> but what did God do? He made someone so completely different than Adam. Didn't he? Yeah. I'm going to give you somebody that looks different than you. Amen. Right. They talk a different language than you, basically. <laughs> they don't think like you, but they will complete you. Amen. You are going to be given the task, the commission to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. In order to do that, you're going to have to take the companion that I have given you that is so completely different and become one with them. Right? Right? And through that, you will 
be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Well, you know, uh, I'm sure before sin that wasn't so challenging, but after sin and the fall of man, there was an understanding that there was going to be some challenges with that. But how much more ought we understand with the family of God? We want everybody to think like us. We want everybody to be like us. We want everybody to be under, able to understand us so immediately. And it's so frustrating to deal with people. And it's easy to not realize that maybe they're thinking that when they're saying, do I have to work with him? Do I have to be unified with her? But in order for us to be fruitful and multiply... To glorify God and to grow in the family of God, we are going to have to have unity within the body. Amen. 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 We're going to have to be with different people at different stages of their growth with different gifts and abilities, a different vision, really. Not a different vision so much, but a different perspective of that vision. And we're going to have to unify with them. And that's a challenge. That God created to be just that way. When you're the most frustrated, when you're the most defiant of, 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 of I just, I see they're weak people. They're people that are struggling. They're people that are immature in their faith. And God put it together in such a way that we can complete one another and be the body of Christ. That they have something that you need that without them you're incomplete. That is true. I feel like so often, if I can just be very blunt, it's such a coward's way, a cop-out to say, I can live for God better on my own. Well, this Bible says you're just part of the body. You're just a member of the body. And it's so much easier. But you know you have your own struggles with yourself. You know, you don't be surprised when people have a challenge getting along because you can't get along with yourself some days. Some days you're, well, come on now. You fight with yourself. You argue with yourself. You wonder why you're so dumb sometimes. And you can't want to, you know what you want to do, but you don't quite measure up to that today. Oh, I just, I let another day go by and I didn't really put my best foot forward with God. And yeah, praise the Lord. And that's what we need, what we need one another. Look what it says. Drop down to, uh, well, back up a little bit to verse 12. You still have 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 12 says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Just like you have one body, two hands, ten fingers, if everything is is uh, attached properly and there were no uh, fireworks problems or something like that. And uh, you... Uh, You've got one body, all working together in their own way. It's a problem if everything's going a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Right. That's, uh, that's not unity. That's, not, that's, that's something unhealthy. That might be a seizure. Right. You're not going to accomplish a lot that way. Right. But to be able to mature and realize, you know, I need whatever God is doing. It takes faith. It, it takes faith to look around at people like me. And look at people like this and say, I'm not complete alone. I need help. I need something that they have to offer. Well, praise the Lord. I feel the excitement in the air. I know people are challenging. 
It's going to be the most challenging thing. But God has put the body together in such a way that we can do great things in him through unity. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. We are different, but we have the same spirit. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into that one spirit. Drop down to verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. Did you hear that? Don't fight with me. He put the members in the body as pleased him. And let me just go ahead and just up the challenge factor a little bit. It took a lot to get ready and get to church today. God bless you for it. That was a good choice that you made. But unity doesn't just mean you're in the same building. You can be in the same building and still be very lonely. And you can be in the same building and make sure that's the case by pushing everybody else away. Unity is going to happen when we have what happened on the day of Pentecost. That one spirit, that one accordness that happens when we're praying. And we're worshiping and we're loving God and we're laying aside all the distractions and the things that are my will and saying, God, I want your will to be done. It's so easy, even in church, let alone throughout the week, to kind of isolate yourself, to go back to the tomb, to go back to the to the world and the things of the world. To go back, you know, when I came out of that old life and God changed my heart completely, I knew it was God's spirit because I related more to worship songs, amen, than songs that used to stir up my anger because I'm not that angry person anymore. Stir up my lust, stir up my rebellion, amen, whatever it might be, whether it's drinking and cheating or whether it's hip hop or whatever it might be, that old life is what you came out of. You oughtn't be able to relate to that anymore. There ought to be some things that you used to have set in front of your face and watch for hours and say, that doesn't entertain me anymore. That doesn't relate to a new heart and a new life that's in me. It's not a bunch of rules that says, I'm not allowed to do that anymore. My church says it's naughty. <laughs> I'm afraid that somebody's going to look down on me. No, no, no. You, you don't. I can imagine Lazarus walking through town one day and looking at somebody say, oh, can we, ugh, I can't, I don't know. Something just, I smelled something reminded me of that tomb. Can we just walk away? I felt something over here that just reminded me of the grave. Come on. Can we just get, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that life anymore because that wasn't life. Now he's given me life an abundant life. And I relate more to his kingdom because he's translated us out of that kingdom of darkness and into his marvelous light. Oh, hallelujah. In order to be everything God's called us to be, then we need to have a togetherness. Yeah. Right. We need to be able to overcome our tendency to be alone and not deal with other people. Right. Not take responsibility. Are we more? The very, well, the first person, let me say, outside of the spiritual and Satan in the history of mankind, the first villain, if you will, was Cain. And God confronted Cain and said, um, <clears throat> kind of a little moment, kind of like he had with his dad a while back. Where are you? He knew where he was. 
but he was confronting him, seeing what he, you know, uh, do you know where you are? Are you proud of where you are? Do you think this is what I want to find when I come looking for you? Is this? No, I'm hiding. So Cain, where's Abel? Hmm. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I? Are you telling me that I'm responsible for my brother? Come on. That's ridiculous. I don't ever want to have the attitude that says, that shirks my responsibility for those that are around me. When I see those that have needs, when I see those that are weak, when I see those that are, that maybe my walk and my experience could help them, and my attitude is, it's not my, not my job. Am I my brother's keeper? Is that my response? I'm going to work out my own salvation. That's what the Bible says. Be careful when you start using the Bible to justify behavior that's not like Jesus. Romans, the 12th chapter, another great scripture about togetherness. Romans 12, coinciding some with 1 Corinthians 12. Am I my brother's keeper? It's not easy. You've got battles. And sometimes it's easier to kind of throw off our own struggles and battles with our own weakness and kind of ignore that by getting distracted by, did you see that? (laughs) Did you see them? Well, if you did, get praying. Because maybe God can use you to help them. But if you just shut that off, you're just in and out of church, blinders on. You're not praying that God could help use you to be a strength and a blessing. Just want to keep on moving and not be pulled into somebody else's problems. Well, we need one another. That's why we're here. If we could just do this online, you know, you could stay in your PJs with your Cheetos and, you know, it just... uh Enjoy yourself and not have to deal with people. Well, that's not what we see in the word of God, is it? Romans 12 verse 3 says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Don't think you have something that is Unique to you so much that you don't recognize that we need one another. We need in our differences in place. And listen, those of you that are strong, I need you. Those of you that have more experience than me, I need you. Amen. Amen. Those of you that have gifts that I don't have, I need you. Ministry, and, and this will play in. So much with our, my second point that you're welcome, I'm not going to get to today. <laughs> that uh, it is so important that ministry even recognizes, I don't have every gift. Yeah. People say, well, I don't think I need to go to church because I have a walk with God. Well, maybe I need you there. Maybe yeah. you've got something that, that I'm missing. Right? right? Yes, sir. I can go ahead and say, I can give you scripture that tells us, we're going to read it a little bit later about not forsaking the assembling as the matter of some is. But you know, what about the fact that maybe 
the key element for somebody and what they're facing, you hold that key. Yeah. And you have isolated yourself in selfishness. You've taken the easy way out and says, I, I love God so much. I don't need anybody else because I just love God himself looked at a man with no sin and said, it's not good for you to be alone. You need to have unity and then put him together with someone so completely different than himself. It says not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us very clearly about thinking soberly, doesn't it? According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Wow. That kind of just steps it up just a little bit. More challenging as well. We're all members of Christ. That makes us all members one of another. We are interconnected with one another. Amen. If we hurt somebody, the Bible talks about if we be careful with our gossip and our complaining, because if we bite and devour one another, we're consuming our own selves. Wow. Look what it says. So we, verse five, being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. You're part of my body. You're an important part of who I am in my walk with God. Hey, I'm just reading it from the word of God. Having then, he goes on very specifically, but let me read at least the first half of this verse. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. God has given you gifts. You are important to the body of Christ. But sadly, pride makes us feel like we aren't important if we're not the only one that is important. Amen. Pride makes us feel like we need all the attention. No, no, that's not the that's not the point. We do this together. We minister and excel. It says in chapter 14, excel. We seek to excel unto the edifying, the building up of one another, the church. But it's not about me and my name and patting me on the back. And wow, I'm really uh, wow. How spiritual are you? But how can I help my brother? And in helping him, helping my sister, I'm helping myself. When I'm strengthening their faith, not accusing them, not thinking the worst of them, not mocking them, but building them up with compassion. I'm actually helping myself. It might be their prayers that pull you through that battle. That one that just doesn't seem like they have a lot to maybe they are a prayer warrior that you had no idea or maybe they're getting ready to be. And they're the one that's going to help you fight that battle. Who knows? Having then gifts differing. According to the grace that is given to us. And it talks about prophesying your part or doing, you know, working in the gifts that you have with all your heart for the right motives. And But we all have gifts that are different. We all have a place in the body together to do our part. Some people come to church, take and get, but they can never give. God's given you something Oh, how, how fulfilling your life would be if you realize I didn't just come and feel a blessing, but I was a blessing. Amen. I didn't just receive something. I gave something. Anybody remember what the word of God says about how it's more blessed to give than to receive? You know, most preachers will say that right before they pass the plate. 
But it's a whole lot more than that, isn't it? We're talking about the gifts that God has put in you. Hey, you come and wow, that was a great song. That was a great testimony. God, you, I just felt so good in your presence. Did you give? Did you serve? Did you bless? I was blessed. Did you bless? You'll be more blessed to give of blessings. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. How important is it? How important is it to recognize the togetherness of the church? To be in one accord. So often I hear people say, well, I, you know, I, I want unity in the church. And, but they separate themselves. Never, never saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Never saying, hey, is there anything I can do to be a help to you? Never being available to, to be that part of the body. And we sit kind of alone and isolated from those, their gifts and their abilities and say, I don't feel that unity is just lip service, isn't it? Right. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Getting ready to close. Or maybe I should just go on to point two now. Right. <laughs> Some of you would be all right with that, I know, but. I want you, I want this to soak in. I want this to really settle in. I'm not afraid uh, of preaching a little long, but when you start giving so many points, it just dilutes what really we need to take with us. And I really want us to be able to leave this place with, uh, with a clear point of action. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised And let us consider one another. Consider, think about empathy that says, I, 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 they must be going through some things. They might need some prayer. Consider one another and listen to this to provoke unto love and to good works. God challenges us. To unify ourselves and bring with us something that will inspire those around us. That will help them. You know what the Word of God says. That iron sharpeneth iron. To bring something with you that makes people say, I want to keep on going. I I leave feeling encouraged and strengthened. Amen. Amen. I know that some of you say, oh, thank God for different ones in the church that that they have strengthened me. They've said the right thing at the right time, maybe even just a smile and a hug or whatever it might be, just helped me so much when I felt so alone. But listen, God wants to use you. God wants you to be a part of that when you can start living in such a manner and having a walk with God that that now God is encouraging others through you. Being here is the first step. Amen. Amen. Just just being faithful is the very first step, but more and more, oh, I've felt, uh, I've heard people talk about just some that have just just uh, really entered in and God filled with the Holy Ghost and how much they're in strength and encouragement to, to every service now. And God is working in such a great way. Let him use you. Look what it says. Let us just put me in there. Let me, God, consider one another. Let me provoke someone unto love and good works. Let somebody hear my testimony. Let somebody hear uh, my concern and my care for them. My friend, see my friendship for them and it to help them be better. Amen. 
you know, talks about blessing those that bless you and cursing them, blessing them. uh, God said he'd bless them that bless you and curse them. But talks about blessing those that curse you. Be somebody that adds to the environment, not takes it away. Somebody that blesses you is somebody that that it doesn't suck the life out of you, but they strengthen you. They build up your spirit. Be that person. Pray to be that person. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaken. This is the opposite of that. I can't do what God asked me if I forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That togetherness is necessary for the encouraging and the provoking unto love and good works. If I'm going to help, hey, you say, well, I'm out there in the streets being a blessing. They need it. God bless you. But you know what? We need it too. We're in a battle. We need one another. We struggle and we, we face hard circumstances. And some people are really, really going through it. And Christian fellowship is why it says it, they continued on in the breaking bread and fellowship. Because we need one another. Amen. Not forsaking. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As a matter of some is. Some people do it. He said, don't do that. But instead of forsaking the assembling togetherness exhort one another encourage one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching how much more we ought to recognize the tougher things get the darker the days get the more we need one another god save us from our own pride jesus said to love The Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind is the first and great commandment. But I can't stop there. You need to love one another. Your relationship that between God is is primary, but you can't divorce it from the horizontal aspect of, of, of reaching out to those around you and caring, provoking, if you will. Having compassion and realize that we need one another. Togetherness, it's vital. In this last day of battles, the Bible talks about two being better than one. About one chasing a thousand. And, but how many more when we gather together and join together with togetherness? Can we bow our heads in prayer? Oh, I thank God that what we experience here together... has just grown and has been better than ever. But listen, we, we cannot just be satisfied in it. Some of you, I know, you're going through tough times, but you battle alone. You struggle alone. There's no fellowship. There's no strengthening together. There's no ability to, to have somebody be able to pray for you that you know, hey, I want you to know I, I need you. I know it's, it seems odd to some for the pastor. I've done it so many times over the years just to, to be so blunt and say, I need you. I, I need your strength, your prayers, your gifts. I can't do what I need to do alone. David didn't fight a battle alone children of Israel fighting the natural battles of the Old Testament had 
have their ranks and their positions and their way to call reinforcements. All pointing to a day when we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in high places. We need one another. I know. I know we're so different. I know there's there's things that we all are maybe struggle and are weak, but that's when we need to strengthen one another, not knock each other down. Pray. Church, I'm asking you to pray. God, help me to be a blessing and a strength. Help me to get out of the tomb of that old life. Help me to get far away from the stench of, uh, of that, old, that old life that you, God called me out of. And God, help me to walk in newness of life. A life where we walk together. Can we all just find a place to pray? Lord, in Jesus' name.
that they may be one, Lord. Let us fulfill that prayer. God, that you would make us one in spirit. Lord, have your way. We just yield ourselves to you. God, bless each one now. Help us to go forth from this place, Lord, with a perspective of togetherness, God. And Lord, we just pray you just keep us safe as we travel. Bless everything that's done this afternoon for your glory. The nursing home service, God, that you'll work in a special way there this afternoon, God. And bless service tonight. We thank you for it, Lord. We ask it all in your great name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Love you. Look forward to seeing you tonight.